Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Well, good morning. My name is Kirk Bodie. <clears throat> I wanted to, I've had a chance to speak several times, but I thought I'd tell you a little bit more about myself. Um, I've uh, been married to my wife, Barb, sitting right over here for 47 years. Um, I practice law for 44 years. I've got two grown daughters and five grandchildren, two 14-year-olds, two 12-year-olds, and a 10-year-old. Um, you can figure out how that works out. They're not twins either, okay? <clears throat> um, so I love to, you know, uh, I love the Word of God. I've been at New Life since the very beginning. Uh, I love the Word of God. I love to teach. I love to preach. Um, so I'm glad that uh, I'm able to be here. Um, and just thought I'd give, give you a chance to get to know me a little bit more. Um, we're uh, in a series called Standing on a Firm Foundation. Uh, but before we get in, dive into it, Brian asked me to give a brief announcement here. <clears throat> and I'm going to read it verbatim. He says... Uh, we are having another church gathering on Monday, August 29th, to discuss and pray over the direction of our church. No decisions have been made, but we want to share with you and invite you to pray with us. More details to come. And then uh, I wrote him back and I said, place and time. Now that's how men communicate, by the way, just place and time. And he wrote back and said, more details to come. So that's, that's what we got. Um, <clears throat> But uh, today we're going to be talking about the concept of endurance. And endurance, uh, perseverance, endurance is kind of an endangered character quality. We live in a society of quick fixes, and if we don't get our way, we move on to something else. Um, endurance is very rare. Last weekend, I was in the uh, Dells up in Wisconsin, and my nephew was there, and he's been challenged by his church to run the Chicago Marathon for World Vision. He's going to raise money for World Vision. So he's going to run the Chicago Marathon. So I'm a runner, and I said, hey, um, you want to run? He says, well, i got to run 13 miles tomorrow. That's part of my training schedule. So I said, well, I can do about half that. So I went out and did about half that with him. But I've run some marathons, so I kind of gave him some coaching advice. And one of the coaching advice that I gave him is, beware of the wall. And those of you that are runners or knowing about marathons is what they call the wall. At about 20 miles, 20, 22 miles, runners, marathon runners hit the wall where they want to quit, where they want to start to walk, where they want to give up. And I said, beware of that. It's coming. Just beware that it's coming. Um, and I think <clears throat> as we look at life in general, the concept of endurance to get through points where we might otherwise quit uh, is very relevant uh, to where we're at, to where we're at as a church, but it's also where we're at as individuals. If I were to step back and, and had put on some glasses and look at like bubbles over everyone's head, where, where are they at in life, what, they, what they're thinking about, what's going on, I think we would see lots of people that need endurance, that are in difficult times right now. Um, when circumstances that you're in seem endless, um, you know, the song says, I thought by now they would be gone. I thought they'd be gone, but they're still here. It seems hopeless. You know, philosophers have caused, called that the dark night of the soul. Dark night of the soul is when you're in a situation that seems endless, 
and hopeless. No way out. It's a period of desperation. And Barbara and I experienced that a little bit in our own lives. Uh, after our first child was born, we were working toward having a second child. And we waited and waited. And we experienced a considerable period of infertility. And if you have experienced that, or you know someone that's experienced that, that is the dark night of the soul, where life seems endless. Now, that's in the rearview mirror. I'm glad to say that. But in the midst of that, in the midst of pain and trials and suffering, it seems endless. So I think it's relevant to us today that we need to learn how to stand strong in various areas of our life. You know, I have a I have an Uncle Harold, and uh, Uncle Harold is a hero in my family. Uncle Harold's wife, Dee, contracted polio back in the 50s and 60s, last century, when polio was rampant. She had given birth to three kids, and then she developed polio, and she spent probably the last 40 to 50 years of her life in a bed that just rocked like this 24-7. And my Uncle Harold, who she was married to, waited on her hand and foot. He worked from home, he took care of all of her needs, and he's a hero because you didn't get divorced back then, even though your wife was 24-7 in a bed that rocked back and forth, back and forth, to help her to breathe. He was with her till the end, long periods of time. So he's kind of a hero in our family. But many, as we look at marriages today, we need endurance in our marriages. Uh, Many marriages, even within the body of Christ, people live unhappy or dissatisfied or perhaps mediocre marriages. It's, they have the arguments. It's the same argument they've had ten times. It never seems to end. Or the other spouse is disengaged or silent and nothing changes. It seems like there's no hope. It's like they're stuck. They need endurance. Or maybe health circumstances you know, especially chronic health circumstances, if you have an illness or a condition that is endless, it's not something that you get a pill and it goes away. If you have to live with a debilitating condition probably for the rest of your life, it sounds terrible. That's like a life sentence, but we need endurance to get through those things. Or financial stresses that come along. There's never enough money at the end of the month. Bills, we seem to be going backwards. Things break down and we have expenses that we can't foresee. And I don't know how we're going to make it. Or dealing with children. Why is parenting so difficult? Why do we, we worry about our kids? We worry about the choices that they make. We worry about, are they going to be saved? Are they going to come back to the Lord even though they've drifted away? We need endurance to be able to handle that. So you may identify with one of those or some other issue in your life where you need endurance. You need something to help you stand the test of time and finish the course. So the question is, how do we get there? How do we obtain this rare, endangered character quality? We're going to talk, look at that today, and we're going to look at James chapter 1. So if you've got your Bible, James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Now this is written, a little bit of background, this is written by James. It's, he starts out, he says, James, a servant of the Lord. But here's who James is. He's the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He grew up in the same home. If you can imagine that, to grow up in the same home with Jesus, be his younger brother. Um, he didn't 
even believe his brother was the Christ or the Messiah until later in life, after Jesus rose from the dead. So that's who wrote the book. Um, so here it is. Let me read it here. It says this. <clears throat> James, I'm going to read it in two different versions. First, the NIV. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes described among the nations, scattered among the nations. Greetings. Here it is. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Now here's a, the other version, the, uh, the, uh, li, the, the, li, the uh, Living Translation. It says this, This letter is from James, the slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the twelve tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad, greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. There's our word, endurance. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, it will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So how do we develop endurance? This passage kind of tells us. But to look at the context, whenever you look at the scripture, look at who's the audience. This is James, the brother of Jesus, writing to the people that are dispersed. They're persecuted. And so the, the audience itself hearing this is under great hardship, great trials, because they're being persecuted by the, Roman, uh, the Romans of the, at the time. So it's important to know when he starts talking about trials of any kind, he's talking at that time about persecution, about economic problems, but I'm sure it also speaks to us about as we deal with how to develop endurance so that we can stand strong. So the key to our discussion today is that second verse where it says, this is a, by the way, this is a very difficult passage. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. Or the other version, my dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. But you just can't take this verse in isolation. We need to know that when this talks about here, it doesn't say, have great joy or consider joy if trials come your way. It's when trials come your way. Now that's not very encouraging because we, we kind of hope we would avoid trials and tribulations and hardships and sufferings. But this says not if it happens, but when it happens. It's something to be expected. And it's a very hard saying because it says consider it pure joy. How is that possible? Isn't joy and pain inconsistent with each other? What does he mean when he says consider it pure joy when you undergo trials and pain and suffering? How can that happen? It seems like what we would call an oxymoron. Now, you know lots of ox oxymorons. Oxymorons are like working vacation. That's an oxymoron. Or plastic silverware. That's an oxymoron. Or honest lawyer. Oxymoron. Or Christian lawyer, uh, where you take something that next to each other that doesn't make sense. It's incongruous. So when he says, consider it pure joy when you are in pain and difficulties, you want to scratch your head and say, 
I don't get it. I don't, I don't think that's possible. But the concept here is that is to consider what we are going through not as a matter of pain, but we need to consider it as otherworldly joy. Perhaps the, the, the difficulty is the word joy. We see joy as exuberance or happiness or an emotion. He sees it as a deep-seated confidence. Because, we look at what the scripture says, because hardships and trials work patience and endurance. Those are good things. They work patience and endurance. It's for our good to develop our character and to mature us. So when your faith is tested, when trials and difficulties come, and you want to look to God and you want to say, why or how come or is there any end, this passage says, choose joy. Why choose joy? So that you become more mature and more complete. So there's a joy here, as I said, it's a complex kind of joy, not a simple joy. It's a joy that is mixed with tears and sorrow. It is a settled conviction and confidence. We, we talked, we sung, if, if I had my way to reorganize this service this morning, we would do the message and then we'd sing those songs because it talks about the faithfulness of God. The con- this is my confidence in God. Um, that when, even when the night seems long and dark, okay, there is, God will be there. He's faithful. So it's a settled conviction and confidence that God exists and that he is a good God, even though I'm in pain or suffering, and that he's still in control and that he will be my strength and my refuge when I need respite. That's what this kind of joy is, a settled conviction or confidence that God is who he is, he's a good God. And we also need to get the big picture because Suffering and pain and difficulties in life, according to the passage, it's to produce perseverance, to produce endurance. See, trials can be considered pure joy only when there is a knowledge that they are designed by God for a purpose. That, that will help us get through. We need to see the purpose behind it. They're tests of faith that are given in order to develop Christian character, perseverance, endurance. And that produces a mature Christian. And don't we want to be mature Christians? How do trials and testings do this? Well, they they drive us to the Word of God. They drive us to our knees in prayer. They drive us to community so we don't forsake giving, meeting together. See, faith, your faith is like a muscle. The more you get used, the more you use it, The more you stress it, the stronger it gets. See, my nephew, he's going to run 26 miles in a month or so. He starts at one mile and gets stronger. Then he's at five miles. When I was with him, he did 13 miles. Um, He just can't go out and do 13 miles. That's the way faith is. It grows, gradual, by being used. So I want to, I'm a practical guy. I like reading the scripture and and what are the life lessons for us to apply? So I've got, I've got eight different things here about processes that we need to keep in mind to develop endurance. In whatever circumstance we find us, God, I want endurance. How do we get there? First, prepare in advance. 
See, develop a firm foundation that won't be shaken. So even before the trials and tribulations and suffering come, get that firm foundation. All of us can be doing that right now. That is the foundation, like our uh, series is, a foundation that won't be shaken. You know this, but in, in the Sermon on the Mount, at the very end, after Jesus gives three chapters in the Bible of how to live a Christian life, he says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is, is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse, because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds his house on the sand. When the rains and floods come, and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. That's the difference. Building your foundation on a solid rock or on sand. So even before difficulties even come, build your house on the solid rock. And how do you do that according to this passage? Listen to the teachings of Jesus. There's no substitute for biblical literacy, knowing the Bible. Read it. Listen to it. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. There is no substitute for the Word of God coming into your life to make you a solid rock person. And then you got to follow it. you got to obey it. So prepare in advance for trials. Now, second is this. Expect difficulties and hard times. I already said that James here doesn't say, uh, consider joy if you have trials and difficulties in your life. He says, consider pure joy when it happens. In 1 Peter, Peter writes this. says this. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, kind of like James. Be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it's revealed to all the world. So Peter writes, don't be surprised. So when we encounter difficulties and problems in life, we sometimes act like, well, this is a surprise. came out of nowhere. Well, don't be surprised. Jesus himself said, in the world, you will have tribulation. That means we can expect difficult times. Trials and testing are a part of the normal life. Third thing in this, very important. During these trials and difficulties, lean into God, not away from God. You know, it's very tempting when you have a difficult life to become bitter, to become hard-hearted, and to withdraw and become a self-pity person. Get that pity party going. We are not to lean, to walk away from God. We are to lean into God. And that means His Word, but that also means cry out to God. It, God is not upset when you complain to Him. When you cry out to him. You look at the Psalms. The, the writer of the Psalms will say things like, Why is this happening? Or how long, O Lord, until there's deliverance? God hears our plea. We think of, think of Abraham. He's promised all these children. And he, he says to God, How can this happen? Now, 
Is he questioning God? Is he rebuking God? God answers his question. God answers his question. God, so when we cry out to God and we lean into God, God hears us and he listens to us. Also very important as we lean into God, very important is don't withdraw from Christian community. Meeting together like we're doing here today. Small groups, close Christian friends, whatever it is, accountability groups, discipleship groups. Don't withdraw because that's a natural tendency. When you have difficulties in life, you want to be by yourself. Instead, lean into community. Don't withdraw and isolate. Okay, the fourth thing I have is, we talked about it earlier, keep your eye on the purpose of the trial and testing. Look for it. Ask God, what, is, what are you trying to teach me, God? What is the purpose of what I'm going through right now? And remember that God is good. He's a good God. And he wants good things for you. You know, God himself knows what the flames of trials are like. His son, he gave up his only son. We have a tendency to give in to short-term thinking. Don't give in to short-term thinking. Look at the big picture. In the moment, all we can see is the pain, the bad diagnosis, the divorce, the loneliness, the abandonment, the long wait for something to happen that seems like it's never going to happen. That's in the moment. It's understandable that we have those emotions. Ask God for understanding. As a matter of fact, later on in this chapter in James, right after verse 4, he says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So right on the heels of considerate pure joy, I think James and God know that this is a hard thing. So he says, ask for wisdom. Ask for understanding what this means. Now also, look at the purpose. The purpose here is to growth, to maturity. But also, one of the, one of the, signs, one of the purposes of going through suffering is that you will be able to minister to others. It will go beyond you. It will reach out to other people. <clears throat> For example, I shared our journey with infertility. Um, and those of you that have either been there or know people that have been there know how do you talk to someone in that phase of life? Or another one is miscarriages. How do you speak to someone that's going through that? It's, it's almost impossible. But if you have been through it, we've been through infertility, if you've been through it, you know exactly what they're feeling. You may not have great pearls of wisdom for them, but you know what they're feeling. They can look to you because you know what they're feeling. You can sit by them. You can cry with them. You can mourn with them. You can pray with them because you know that God took you through a period of the dark night of the soul for a mission to help other people that have gone through that or are going through that. Fifth thing is this. This is good. Remember, you're in, when you're in trials and suffering, you're in good company, okay? You aren't the only one. We always think, I'm the only one that's going through this difficult time. You're not the only one. People have been through it before. People are going through it right now. Listen to this quote here from Rick Warren. He says this, God could have kept Joseph out of jail. He could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Jeremiah from being tossed into a slimy pit. He could have kept Paul from being shipwrecked three times. He could have kept the three Hebrew young men from being thrown into the blazing furnace, but he didn't. He let those problems happen, 
And every one of those persons was drawn closer to God as a result. And certainly, as we look at these people from the Bible, let's not forget our Savior, Jesus. Did he experience trials, suffering, pain, difficult times, almost hopeless times? It says this in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, like the people I mentioned earlier, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Here it is. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated at the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Then you won't become weary and give up. Focus on Jesus. He went through a lot more than we can imagine, a lot more than we'll ever go through. He didn't give up. And aren't we glad he did? See, quitting points. You get to a point sometimes, like the wall in a marathon for my nephew. You get to the wall and you want to quit. We all, we've all experienced that. Sometimes life is too difficult. I just want to quit. My marriage, my finances, my relationships, I'm done. Quitting points are painful. Jesus knows that better than we do. He endured all the way to the cross. Every time he was slapped, every time a whip tore open his back, every time the nails went into his hands, all hell screamed out, quit, give up, don't persevere. But by Jesus crashing through the quitting points, he died the death that makes salvation possible for every human being. So we're in good company. Don't forget of others before us that have gone through difficult times and endured and experienced life at the end of that trial. Sixth thing is this, quickly, this is a quick one. Refuse to give up. It's a matter of the will. When, you, when you're running that marathon and it seems like everybody's telling you, just quit, walk it in, take the SAG bus, the SAG wagon they call it, just get on board with that. Choose not to quit. Crash through the quitting points. It's a matter of the will. Number seven, seventh, rejoice and give thanks. This brings us back to what we talked earlier. What? Rejoice? Some of the songs we talked about, I will sing in the storm, okay? Wait, wait, don't expect me to sing in the storm. I'm crying in the storm. We are to sing and by the way, sing a little louder, the song says, because we are to praise God even in the midst of storms. So it says rejoice and give thanks. It's a matter of the will. We don't need to pretend that the heat of the trials doesn't hurt us. But the passage says, consider it joy. It's a matter of the will, not the emotions. And then eighth and lastly, need to get the ultimate, the ultimate picture for those that are in Christ Jesus, for those that are saved, for those that are Christians, you know, the concept of heaven, we don't, we don't talk a lot about the concept of heaven because we don't know a lot about what heaven's going to be like. Um, and sometimes people today even ridicule the thought of heaven. But you know, sometimes that's all we have to hang on to is heaven. That there will be a day 
There will be a day when heaven, when I will be in heaven and wrongs will be made right, suffering will go away. When our lives are filled with sorrow, grief, pain, and trials, we have to look to the future. Don't just live in the present. Look to the future, to heaven. And there is joy in the future that can help soothe our current troubled souls. Now James 1, later on in this very chapter, this is what James says. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Elsewhere it says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of righteousness. I know it's well off in the future, but don't lose sight of our final destination for those that have put their faith in Jesus. And then if you run the scripture ahead and you look at the end of the Bible, you look at Revelation 21, here's what it says, and this is the hope that we can lean into. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard the loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. You know, that's a passage often read at funerals, often read at funerals, but that passage applies to us. That is the hope we have in Christ, that that day will come when there will be no more death or pain or sorrow or weeping. They will be gone forever. And hang on to that as a hope for what the future has to say. So during those times and moments when we seemed overwhelmed with troubles and trials, and there appears there's no hope in the future, it seems, it seems like there's no hope, we must remember that it is we who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That we're just strangers here passing through. This will pass. It is temporal. And that joy will come in the morning. That's our hope. And it's, that's what enables us to stand strong, to endure, to, as James says, count it all joy when you endure hardships, suffering, and pain. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for James. We thank you for James that he came to see his brother as a savior. We thank you that he writes these things and that they apply to us today. And I pray for anyone here right now that's in any type of trial or difficulty or season of life that's just very, very difficult, that they would hang on to the truths that we talked about here today. The truth that you are God, you're still in control, you are a good God, and that if we put our faith and trust for you and look to the hope of the future, we can be, receive comfort and now we're able to endure that so that we can become, as James talked about, mature, complete followers of Jesus. Amen.